Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. Thank you for hanging out with me today. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm always getting adjusted in my seat. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're uh, listening to Cy Brown Live. You know you can listen to us live weekdays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and anytime on the web at CyBrownLive.com. Just letting you know the chat room is open. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Devin Robinson, and I'll be bringing him in in just a moment. Big shout-out to everybody who joined us at Sweet Caroline's yesterday for Say Yes to Life. It was a great event, a lot of motivational speakers. Um, Gail Robinson... Yeah, Gail. <laughs> Sorry about that. Gail Richardson, Stephanie Perry. Uh, I was there. I hosted the event. We had Ariel McDay there. So it was just um, really, really a good event. Jackie Morris, who's a life coach in Brooklyn, New York, she was there to speak. And, of course, big shout-out to Stephanie hammond Tillette from Simply Sensational Events, Inc., who produced the event and uh, said, Sai, you want to come host this for us? So we had a good, good time. Uh, Rennie was there. You know who's the GM of the show. She does all the booking and Nicole and uh, Chrissy, just a whole bunch of people. And it was really, really good. It was uh, we, we really learned a lot. And it's not very easy for people to say yes to life. When you say yes to life, sometimes it can include um, irresponsible behavior as well. You know, saying yes to life doesn't mean reckless, being reckless, but saying yes to life really means saying yes to just a life that's worthy you, while your time here is on earth, just um, living up to the calling that's, that was placed on your life before you even got here. So it's really important that we say yes to life and that we don't live life fearfully and that we just embrace change and challenges and anything that comes our way. And again, it's really easy to say that, you know, kind of from an outsider's perspective, but when you really have the strength and tenacity and courage to say yes to life, wow, doors are really going to open. So I'm so grateful, so grateful of everybody that's in the chat room listening, so grateful that uh, people are listening to the show. And uh, it was a really nice event, and uh, just to show up and have the opportunity to share my thoughts and opinions with everyone was is always a blessing. So big shout-out to Steph, who invited me to just come and host and smile and keep the event moving and flowing. It was really, really good. Uh, today's guest, Mr. Devin Robinson, who I'm so happy to have. Big shout-out to Felicia Flair from Felicia Flair PR. He is a mo- motivational speaker and HIV activist and has a book out. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about his book um, and what he's doing and and how he's raising awareness about sexual responsibility. And that's what really um, really got me to want to have him on the show, just the whole concept of sexual responsibility. I was a teenage parent, as many people know, um, an, an older one, not a kind of young or mid-range one. You know, I'm, my son was born between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. But still, that was just a term that I hadn't even heard of, like the whole thing, the whole concept of sexual responsibility. Just, I just was told, don't get pregnant. But then, you know, growing up in the 80s, with AIDS and growing up in New York City and, you know, there's, oh, don't mess with the gays and, you know, the other derogatory terms. Um, I think it's something that's really worth bringing before you guys just um, to talk about it. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest, Mr. Uh, Mister Devin. Are you with us? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, buddy, how are you? I am 
really awesome and really motivated today. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy that you're with us. Um, you know, one of the things I really want you to to stress on, among other things, among all of the other ways you're going to bless us today, is what prompted you to talk about sexual responsibility? Because that encompasses more than HIV and AIDS. So tell everybody a little bit about who you are, and then we can get right into the conversation. Well, uh, of course, my name is Devin T. Robinson X, also known as Egypt. Um, I've been you said Devin T. Robinson X, right? Yes, X. Okay. Um, and also known, also known as Egypt. Um, the most of my life has been pushed around just changing lives. I, I lost my mom when I was twelve, and at at that age, I had to make. I became a leader. I had to realize that I'm now. I'm the person that's going to be making the decisions in my younger sister's life, and then from there, it just prompted me to get on this this spiral of of this upward spiral of of just changing other people's lives and being being motivated by belief. That I've already saw the worst. I've already seen the darkest. I've already I've already been been selling drugs and fighting and getting arrested and and living that lifestyle of, of a child who who's lost. I mean, I lost my mom and my dad within one week, and then had my entire family abandon me. So I had a lot of things against me before I was even a teenager. So wow. From that moment on, I realized that that if that, all that happened to me happened for reasons for me to be able to be tough enough to deal with other people's issues in order to show them that it is possible to move forward no matter what. So from there, uh, it, it, uh, this book actually came about from just my struggles, learning about women. Um, I had mm. a sister who was who was a stripper. I had other I had other family members around me and other young ladies around me that were that were selling their bodies, giving their bodies away. Mm-hmm. And these things and these these and, and these things were so funny, not in a ha ha sense, but as unique how we would judge prostitutes, but not realize a lot of women are prostitute themselves to their boyfriends and to other guys not even realizing that they're doing it but just in a just in a even a less demeaning way. And I was looking at these things and I was looking to the, our music and our culture and how things were going. I was saying, we're not we're not raising future wives and, and mothers, we're raising future baby mamas. And we're raising wow. future girlfriends. And then this book there was just something noticing my little niece is fifteen, getting ready to go to college in a couple of years. And I said if she doesn't know this and her other friends don't know this because their parents can't tell them correctly, I said, is now, now is the time for young people to stand up and start being the voices that they need to be in order to change these things and not right. rely on a government or another group of people to do it. So I said, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to take all this knowledge I've attained over these years and create this book that's called a workbook in order to, in order to affect these young women especially and parents with this information, this vital information to save their children because if we don't do it, we're in a position where we're going to see more and more of early teenage teenage parents that are not going to know how to be parents because their parents aren't even old enough to truly know the whole parental game. They just know about the responsibility factor, but not even strong enough to take that to the next level. So this this is all encompassed to push me to write the book. Well, you know what? Like, I mean, you shared so many um, pieces just in that introduction. May I ask, when you lost both of your parents, did it have anything to do with the topics of your book, or what, was it totally unrelated? Totally unrelated. Well, my mother died of a unique heart attack. My father, he he abandoned me, but he abandoned me, and it relates to the book about not having a strong, picking the best man to create an offspring with. That's part of the book. Uh, mm. so it's not just about you know he him, God being cute or strong. Is where was he mentally? 
Because if you if you were the man who's who who has a certain mindset already, you lessen the likelihood of him leaving once you have that child or him leaving that child. Now he can leave you, but will he leave that child? If my father would have been a better better type of man, then he would still be in my life to this day. I have a father that still to this day would not apologize for him. Um, the day after my mom passed away, he canceled child support. So, and wow. A week later, a week later, we went to him in his face. I said, you know, I'm 12 years old, Dad. You know, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm with my, my sister. She's about 18. She can, he can still see that she's wet behind the ears. She just had a child. So we're like, listen, I don't have anywhere to go. Can I come with you? And he looks at me dead in my face and says, I don't want you, boy. Now, this is my dad. This is not wow. This is not the email. He didn't put it on my Facebook wall, my MySpace comment. This is what he said to my face. So at that time, I realized if, I, if, if, if we focus, push women, to not upgrade men that I'll talk about it later in the, later in the topic. Not to mm-hmm. upgrade men, but but accept men that are already upgraded, which there are many out there. Then if they have babies with those men, as opposed to the men that exist now, at least those men will either do two. They, worst thing, worst case scenario, they'll either do two things: one, leave you, but they will stay with the child. Or they, if they if they don't want even want to be with that, even if they don't want to. To um carry on a, a relationship with with the child in the sense of of you know um you know doing the whole six month thing or whatnot they will still have a stake in that child's life and if that child gets to know about their father at least they'll know their father is a great man versus right. me in my case when I know when I hear about my father and talk about him nobody can say anything great about him nobody can wow. say anything inspirational about him so that's what it's a book about us um, about women picking you know better 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 men. Because there are many that exist. Because I look at my friends that are all single. They have degrees. They're pilots and all these different things. And I, and I sit with all these women with all these interviews, and they always ask me, like, where can I find a good man? And then I ask about the last guy that they dated. And then I'm like, where did you look to find him? Because that looks like you went to the garbage to find this type of man. And when you're definitely something that's a jewel, how does a jewel look through the garbage to find this type of man, and um, and then that's what the books is. That's what it. That's how it all how my dad relates to my dad's abandonment relates to the book because in the book it talks about looking not looking at all but accepting the upgraded men that are that are in abundance out there, but we really don't pay attention to them because they don't present the the norms that our society says what you should look for in men, which is many times aggressive, rebellious. I have nature. to. I have, please forgive me. I have to add something in here. You said something mm-hmm. so profound where a lot of times we, you know, we're looking at men, and, and I stand to be corrected if I'm saying it, you know, I want to make sure I, I quote you correctly, as mm-hmm. opposed to already looking for upgraded men. The pickings are very slim. <laughs> let's, be, <laughs> let's be real, real clear about that. The pickings right. are very, very slim. I'm not even making this a racial issue. Let's mm-hmm. look at it from the simple fact of, Matter of fact, I'll make it really personal for me. Mm-hmm. My son will be 21 years old soon. No okay. criminal record. He's in school and has a part-time job. And, you know, we talk about girls and stuff all the time, and he broke up with his girlfriend, whatever, whatever. And I was like, you know, do you, you know, is there anybody special that you're dating? And he's like, what? For what? He said, first of all, most of the girls my age have kids, and so I don't want to be tied down with kids. And second of all, like, and and he said this out of his mouth. He's like, I have no criminal record. I'm in school and I have a job. I could do whatever I want. And so when he said it, I was slightly taken aback. But at what point did that become the compass of gauging a relationship? No record, I'm working, and I have a part-time job. Like, 
what about all of your other qualities I wanted to say to him? Like, you know, how about being kind? How about being optimistic about the, you know, the opportunities? And, like, there's so many other factors. And as he said that, it just dawned on me, like, that's what we relegated our men to. I have no criminal record. I have a job and I'm in school. Like, at what point did we relegate that as the only qualifications or the only barometer to gauge if a guy is worthy of a relationship or not? Well, I think that actually is not – I'm over here smiling because actually not even a really bad thing. And not saying that you think it's a bad thing, but not really too much of a – in my eyes, a bad thing because you look at it too. It shows that there's a sense of consciousness in your son to realize that most of the men that he's even seen around are women that – or, or men that women have actually found attractive are men that don't have those qualities. That, right. have, that these men, these men don't have any job because they're selling drugs, or they've been they've been in prison, or they're not in school. They're not trying to further education. Nor are these men. These men are in a position to to treat women in any type of way because they're not thinking on that level. And your right. boy and your son is even saying to himself, "Hey, I don't have any. I'm not in a rush because I'm looking." some uh, girl that has other has kids and things of that nature. No, I'm not going to do that because look at where I am. I'm looking for something that's up top. So that's not even that seems the more consciousness of of things that are that have come to pass pre or things that have happened previously in our society where men don't even think on that level because our culture says nothing about thinking. Hey, you know, I have my stuff together. Let me get somebody else that has that stuff together as well. It's like no. Mm-hmm. It's like well. I don't care who I get or whatever. As long as she got a big booty, that's why right. a lot of these children that pop up or whatnot, and they could care less about the child because the um, the, the woman was just there for a sexual purpose versus mm-hmm. versus a mental purpose. But um, what here's the thing: when it comes down to the pickings are slim. When we going in, going into that, they are. I, I, I've seen I've seen on both spectrums on. On, in my, in my life, cause, like I, I go across the world, so I got a chance to see, you know, life in a, a little bit different than many other people, and I got a chance to see that, you know what? The pickings are slim in wherever you place your perception. And what I mean right. by that is that I've, I've, I've seen, like I said, I have, I have friends of mine that are pilots and have degrees, have no women. They can't. They, they sit online all day long. They go to events looking for women. And I, then I hear women say, I can't find a good man. Right. But I think it's about the perception. If you go to a mall looking with a, with a mindset, with your perception being that oh, all these dirty pants sagging, gold teeth having, dirty dreads, not, not, not like the clean dreads, now make sure right. they don't pants, because they're dirty dreads or whatnot, um, like they didn't wash them or whatever, you know, whatever the typical idea of a, of a guy who's quote-unquote bad. If you go with that perception, like, oh, they're everywhere, you're not going to see the guy that's walking by Borders or Walkers or whatever the name of, of the bookstore that's in your particular mall. You're not going to see him there, or you're not going to see him, the other guy that's probably even in Foot Lock or whatever, who's not, whose pants aren't just hanging off his, off his butt or whatnot. You're not going to pay attention because your perception is to already think, oh, I'm not going to find any good guys. I'm going to find these type of guys. Right. This is what I've seen a lot in, a lot in, in my research because the, I went to college with a lot of guys that are still single and that are looking for women, and the thing is that these women are these women are already putting their eyes on for a certain type of guy, and they're they're gazing for a certain type of guy. When they get hurt by these particular guys, then they continue to say they're no good men. Right. But these guys are out there. They're out there. They're waiting. They're they're looking for girls, and they get no play. When I tell you, my friend is such a heat asset. I told him, I said, you are the only guy 
that I would let date my sister. Like I, wow. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even worry about it. And, it, and that's such a profound statement because that's all I have is my sister. Right. And I said I would let you date my sister without even a question. She asked me. I said go ahead. And he's not. He's just one of one of many that I know of. But what what the women that I've run into, which are good girls as well. Mm-hmm. Now when I run into these women that say they don't find good men, when I when I ask them about their previous partners, it's the same thing. And I'm sitting. And I wrote the other day on my on my Facebook status. I said I said, are you really looking in the garbage to find good men? Wow. Because these these men that you found and you you call yourself a good woman. It's like why would why do good women go to the dumpster? to find reliable mates, like, didn't you know that, that they don't live there? Like, we don't, and you don't even have to go to look where, for them. where do you find, where do you find a good guy then? And, and that's a good thing you tied right into. Where? You don't. You don't. There's the, the funny thing about the book, it talks so much about patience, and it talks so much about you doing you. You doing you in a way that, that lets us know, I, I have to come get her. Like the the woman the woman that I'm chasing right now is my ex girlfriend, and the reason why is because she's doing her, she's doing her right now, and just that that image alone or the things that she's doing it seems so beautiful. And to a guy that's on his game and getting his stuff together and looking to do awesome things in the world, that's attractive. Not the woman that's looking for it because the woman that's looking for it so much seems hungry, mm-hmm. and seems as if they they may not they may bring more stress than happiness. And any man that's on his game knows one thing and one thing only. Only thing I want in my life is happiness because everything else, all that stress and all that other stuff is going to take me off my game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to add too much of a pressure that's not needed. Now, a woman can bring different types of pressure now. She can bring the pressure of, baby, you got to do better. Mm-hmm. Baby, I know you can do more. Baby, come on now. This is not your best right here. But come then, on now, baby, guys, eight. at that point, I have to tell you, but then, mm-hmm. guys, at that point, oh, you're nagging. You're always on my back. You always have something to say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's such a precipitous line in which you have to walk because we don't want to seem like we're nagging and I, and I mm-hmm. do subscribe to submission I do mm-hmm. believe men should be the head of the household um mm-hmm. I don't let my husband walk all over me but I do believe there has to be a certain certain order but women I also believe are smarter than guys and I, I and I doubt that either I, I believe that in a very real and honest way, we see things, uh, and I'm, and I guess I'm really speaking from a real personal perspective. Mm-hmm. I see things right. a lot of times that my husband just doesn't see, even though I treat him as the head of the house. And so we say things, oh, then you're nagging. And, and now this part doesn't apply to me, but because I'm not a nag, but mm-hmm. you know, oh, you're always riding me. Oh, you're nagging me. I have, I'm, I have a friend right now who's in a relationship with a guy. He mm-hmm. lost his job, doesn't really want to work. He's kind of shiftless around the house. And she's really, really frustrated, and the first thing out of his mouth is, oh, you're always nagging me. Like, Mm -hmm. nagging you, you have to stand up and be a man. You have to stand up and take your rightful place. So it's really a cautious line that we have to walk, I believe. It is. Some men, (laughs) and I I ain't talking about your friends, man, or whatnot. Some men, when we, I put it like this, in, in my personal situation, right, when when I, I had a, had a, had a TV show and I threw the idea I threw the idea to my to my, uh, my my partner and she was and she was just throwing stuff back at me and it didn't it wasn't like a nag like hey if you do this you know da 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 it was a constructive way in which she was doing it sometimes a nag sounds more a nag sounds more like a a constructive a constructive um, 
a constructive statement or a constructive words that motivate you to get to build upon what you're doing. And that's another thing about communication that we kind of don't talk too much about. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you constructive criticize or constructive build or, or construct period, you end up making that person feel as if you know what what they're doing is okay, but they can do better by doing X Y Z. And what you're which if you're satisfying being okay, let me let you know where you may go with being okay. Mm-hmm. Okay may not get you your your what you want, but you know what? If you do this, this may get you what you want. And now you don't sound like a nag. You sound more like you're you're giving them you're giving them that push. And some men, if we if we've been on a top and say he had an awesome job, now going to the other friend, if he had an awesome job, mm-hmm. and he lost that job. Now it's so much dealing dealing not even just going into the racial racial aspect of it, but just being a man. Period. It's so mm-hmm. much being having that ability to be able to provide and give you. Okay, baby, we can go on a vacation tomorrow, girl. Forget work today, girl. Let me go take you get your feet done and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, girl. Now all of a sudden that's taken away, and now you're sitting there like I I feel weak. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not able to provide the things that I, I'm not able to give her that security and the goals. So historically speaking, men traditionally have been. Uh, we are protectors. That's why we're bigger than women. That's why when you say you're smarter, I wouldn't doubt it. Women are supposed to be smarter because men I are supposed to have we supposed to have that one focus. Men are supposed to have one focus, which is to make sure that nobody enters that village, hut, or wherever we wherever we are to hurt our women. That's how they got the Native Americans. That's how they got they got they got the Africans. They went after the women because they know that's our that's our that's who we fight for. That's who every culture fights for. That's why any white any white woman that gets attacked or whatever, it's like a big thing in the world or whatnot. It's like why is that so important? It's because women, that's every culture fights for their women in different ways. Now, okay. so we have that one that focus of taking care of that woman. Now, when that focus uh, as a protector is undermined by many things, one, losing that job, so now we, we can't protect or that, that new thing that came up in like the late 90s, early 90s, whatever, the whole independent woman thing where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't need you to protect me. I don't need you to do this. Oh, I do. I, do I don't subscribe to that philosophy at but all. That, that, that <laughs> philosophy, and that philosophy crippled crippled us as well because now we're sitting back there like well our whole our whole makeup our genetic makeup is to protect we're bigger our bones are thicker we're, we're faster we're stronger now we all that says i'm supposed to do this now i can't do it because of this job or because you say you don't need me to do it and now how do i pick myself up because right. it's, it's, it's a much a harder thing it's not to tell women to go okay now he gets a he gets escaped, but it's to understand it, number one, and then number two, to take an opportunity to say it in a different way, give constructive criticism, look for jobs for him, you know what I'm saying, help him go to these interviews so that way he can get picked up and know that his rightful place is to protect, and this is what he's supposed to do, because if not, if not, then we see more men that are good men that become sorry men, and that's worse than a bad man, because a sorry right. man can't help anybody. At least a bad man can sell drugs and, you know, help somebody or something. Right. You know? A sorry man can't. Can't help anybody or whatnot. I saying all bad people sell drugs. I know like a, I know like two pastors that sell drugs. So you know. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Remind me not to go to their church. <laughs> That's a joke. Like, don't wonder that he got a Benz and everybody else is broke. How he do that? Wow, that's crazy. I want to talk a little bit about your book. We're, we're, I can't believe we're getting so close to the um, end of the show, but I want to talk a little bit about your book. Um, share um, with everybody a little bit about the book and what it's about. This book, How Good Is Sex, the workbook. I love the is, title, How Good Is Sex. <laughs> it, it, it actually comes. It actually comes off the back of a workshop I created called How Good Is Sex that mm-hmm. I do at conferences, high schools, colleges, churches all across the nation. If you want to book it, go to howgoodisex.com, and the book is there as well. The book, the book whole, the whole purpose of the book 
is to teach women. It says this book is for mainly for women, but men can read it as well to learn the game. The book is pushing is to push women to realize that you hold the key to changing everything. And I'm not even being facetious and just you know just throwing out the word everything. The last chapter of the book is called Vagina, the Universal oh my Cure. Wow. The Universal Cure. And what now? This is the power of the book is just saying, women, you can do everything. You have the ability to do everything as long as you do blank. And the blank goes as, as follows: one, wait; two, select; three, accept. Now, the way it breaks down is that. Men, we, we spend billions of dollars nationwide, even just in America, America alone, not even talking about worldwide, nationwide, we spend billions of dollars. There are corporations out there. All they do is promote items to men in order to get women. Think about Axe Body Spray. You spray on it, what happens? Women fly from, you know, countertops to jump on you to smell you, you know? My son uh, actually or, said that. He said everything that a guy does is done to impress the women, uh, impress the woman. do. And it is, it's, it's so evident. If you look at, you turn on TV right now while you're watching this, listening to this show, you're going to see something. Gillette, we shave our face, and at the end of the commercial, whatever, what do you see? You see a woman coming, oh, he has kissable skin. No yeah, guy yeah. wants kissable skin for my friends. Like, I don't want my friends to think, oh, dog, you got kissable skin. <laughs> like, I don't want that, you know? And I don't want to have, I don't want to have women in a position of, I mean, my, my friends talking to me like, oh, man, you smell good. Does that act like, no, like, we, don't, we don't do that for ourselves. I don't get my car, I don't get, I don't get um, leather put in my car or, or my car painted so my friends can just say, man, your car looks and smells good. Like, no, I don't do that for them. I don't want them, right. their butt to feel nice in the leather. I do that for the women. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we will do all this stuff for women. Women, we will buy all these clothes for women. We will, we will spend $500 going on a weekend trip for women. But when we meet that woman, the most amount of money we'll spend on is $50. That's, <laughs> That's the funny. And the thing is, about is, that the, is, is that the magic number, $50? Well, yeah, because you, know, you think about it, can you include the condoms with the, the movies <laughs> and, the, and the date? You know, it's, re- it's roughly about fifty dollars for the whole weekend. Now, if you oh, meet on that Friday and then to that Sunday, that's about fifty dollars. But if it's a day, but you know, you got you guys got to read the book. You guys are like, oh, he is. So that's serious. hilarious. But the the focus of the book is to show women, like, listen, we spend all this money, we do all these crazy things to get you, but why can't you say? In order to get me, you have to do something that's really worth something. Not right. just money, not going to get some smelling good stuff, because smelling good is not going to fix a broken heart. You're that's absolutely not right. That. That's not going to – you having smooth skin is not going to make me feel good when you leave me. That's well, not going to do it. But you're talking mm-hmm. – but that also touches on underlying emotional baggage as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of women are – you know, not even just women, but there's just a lot of underlying emotional stuff, why women do and accept a lot of the things that they accept. Um, right, right. So, I mean, there, we, we, there's, a, there's a lot of different perspectives to look at from mm-hmm. there as well. Um, we're just about out of time. Let everybody know how they can find you and um, howgoodissex.com. I know I just was on the site, and I love the site. that You have workshops. You've got the book. Um, and let us know about anything else you're working on. Well, we also have a we also have a TV show called How Good Is Sex. Um, How Good Is Sex, the TV show with Egypt and Tammy Black, where we we go college to college, area to area, um, and where we actually produce the show um, just to educate people about it. So if you even want to show in your area, you can go to howgoodisex.com to get there as well. Um, and it's and it's the whole thing is a movement we're doing just to push push women to realize that they're so precious and they're so beautiful that they deserve only the best. And, I agree. And I, and, 
even you said about the, the emotional baggage portion, which is important, that it was saying, like, in a relationship, after they're in a relationship to, to demand, I mean, even prior to the relationship and in the relationship to, to accept only what you deserve, not to say that, you know, the, the idea of a woman and the, the baggage is, is something to include later on, but it's, it's saying through communication and, and bringing us all together, we can, we can create better relationships by accepting the best of the best because it, it is out there. But this, like I said, this whole, the whole reason I'm here is because I was raised by all women and I realized I got a chance to see the beauty of a woman and the power of a woman and the strength of a woman and when that woman is being compromised by dating men that are not, that are not able to inspire her. And I just want to write a book that inspires women all around the world to realize that you're so, you're so, you're so, worth so much and you deserve so much. And you only and you can only accept that because that's that's what's out there for you. And I just hope that through this book things things start changing and people can realize that this is this is what this is what this world is about. It's about being happy, it's about accepting things that'll make you happier and inspire you to be great. And that's what the book was about. Well, I appreciate it, Devin. Everyone you're listening to Mr. Devin T. Robinson X, I welcome the opportunity to have you back on the show. Um, let's stay connected, buddy, and uh, and I'll I'll definitely speak with you soon. Big shout out to Felicia, who was able to make this happen today, and Rennie, um, who's on my team, who was able to make this happen. Always remember that you shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that you can do, or any kindness that you can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Don't forget tomorrow, Cybrown Live, weekdays at 12 noon, and anytime on the web at CyBrownLive.com. I'll see you all tomorrow. Peace.